Welcome everybody to another episode of the Crush Cast. Today we've got Julian Fensterheim, who leads the number one district in the United States. That's a title that their district has held for 26 consecutive months. My nickname for Julian is the J Train. J Train, welcome. Great to be here, Jim, as always. Let's go back to the beginning of your career. I know you started in 2013. When did discussions start moving towards leadership, or was that always in your mind? I think to some extent, Jim, there was always a little bit of a natural calling there. A lot of what we emanate in this type of career spans from all of those little butterfly effect haphazard moments that have happened throughout life. And for me, thinking back early on in, in my days of running track and field and political leadership clubs throughout high school and college. I always aimed to be the captain of various organizations. I always aimed to have board positions on various political and social groups along the way. It's really exciting to be able to collaborate and work in a group. And when you can share success, not only for yourself, but with the people you care about the most, it makes the journey that much more fun and intoxicating along the way. So to have a platform as special as a financial advisor position, which is a career that doesn't define you, you define the career, to be able to use that as a platform to then create a team of my own and go into a leadership role where I can work with all sorts of different personalities and special people along the way seemed like a no-brainer to me as soon as in 2016, when my branch manager, Jor Near, had approached me about transitioning into management, and I was all in pretty much right from the start. Not only were you all in, you were effective right out of the blocks. And so I, could you reflect on your approach to leadership? Do you have any theories about why it is working at the level that it is, this, in, this team that you've built and the results that you have? What is it? Is it transferable? Can you put it in a bottle? Well, I think what I, what I continue to find more and more throughout the years is everybody eventually in this career transitions into some type of leadership role because leadership transcends the cap of management or district manager or SVP or EVP. What leadership really means is finding your unique ability and being able to rally the troops behind it. So from day one, I realized I wasn't an expert in every single category. There were areas that I struggled in terms of my personal development. And when I was hiring, I looked for people that possessed a unique ability that allowed them to really shine in those areas that maybe I lacked. So my leadership cap in the management role was always what I found I was the best at, which was rallying up the troops, creating excitement, creating systems, getting people organized, teaching them the business. But then along the way, the goal was always to hire various leaders, just as impactful as anything I could bring to the table. So we brought leaders in, in terms of assets and learning the world of investment management. We brought leaders in, in terms of understanding the nuance involved in operations and creating systems that allow us to service our clients better along the way. We brought in leaders that attract new advisors onto the team, leaders that 
uh, really leaned into certain specialty areas of planning. And I think what I found is that by creating an organization of leaders where everybody is on the same page and everybody has the same type of authority in their specialty, that it really wasn't me and the group that I was managing, but it became a pack of all of us being in this together and being able to leverage our unique abilities all around the table to maximize what we enjoyed most about the business and then turn to all of the other leaders for the areas that we could use a little support in along the way. You've created an intersection of meaning and capability and relationships. And that's created a glue. I know that your organization has had spectacular retention. How many individuals overall on your team right now, Julian? So with the current recruiting class, we are up to about 42 total advisors. And something that I find uh, really special about that part of the journey, often I get asked, well, it must be really hard at this point for everybody to manage their practices, to get enough of each other's time with such a large scale of advisors that continue to join the ranks. How is it possible for you to maintain those systems? You must be running around like a madman, juggling plates left and right. And it's actually truly been the equal and opposite reaction. It was when I was first beginning that I really had to do everything for everybody. But going back to what we had just discussed by hiring, not a group of advisors, but a group of leaders, it's made the experience for all of the new advisors coming in that much more enjoyable. Because while they have mentors and myself and some of the original advisors that were formed on the team, they have immediate access to another 20 or 30 advisors from day one that are wrapping their arms around all of our new advisors and showing them the ropes. And sometimes your greatest mentor isn't your manager who's going on 10 years into the business, who maybe is a little bit removed from the early days of building a book of business, but sometimes the greatest mentors are the people to the left and to the right of you that have been in the business just for three to six months that already are fresh off the press in terms of learning the ropes and can teach you all those little intangible things that you don't necessarily learn in structured training. So what happens is as the organization gets bigger, the process becomes, I think, even more impactful for the new advisors that we're bringing on along the way. As you share your observation of building a team and adjusting your schedule, I think that there's a high degree of commonality with the observation and the cadence and the schedule and the pattern of those that are leading um, successful producer groups. It's the same thing. The launch was the most difficult thing until they get their pattern, until they get their cadence. But the thing is, you've got to keep innovating. Uh, Julian and I do calls once a month. I do a call with the top leader in the country every single month and I have for years. And the thing that I've noticed about you, Julian, is you are constantly challenging systems and innovating. What are some of the adjustments that you have made during the COVID era because of the difference in the way that we communicate with our clients that have been big wins? Well, to a large degree, the silver lining in a really dark place for many over the past couple of years is that from at least a business standpoint, we were already 
prepared for the virtual world. Prior to the pandemic in 2017, maybe even a little prior to 2016, our thought process was always to envision what wealth management looks like 10 years out. And what can we do to replicate that experience as much as possible today for all of our advisors and for all of our clients? And I, I joke about this today because that doesn't change. You know, you always have to think about a rolling 10 years out. And I think about the metaverse and the potential and possibilities there. And one day, not too far out from now, being able to pick a character like Batman and my client Superman, and we're, we're meeting on Mars for a one-on-one -on -one financial planning consultation. Hmm. And how can, and maybe we don't have access to all of that today, but can we start thinking that way? And we did that back in 2016. We said, hey, we know that there's something to be said about an in-person encounter. There's a certain touch and a certain trust and a certain type of communication that maybe gets diluted to some extent once you start running meetings virtually over Zoom and Microsoft Teams. But at the same token, there are a lot of other ways to build in those maybe gaps in communication through a very white glove professional virtual service model. So in 2016, 2017, myself, my first advisor and best friend, Kevin Sullivan and I, when it was just the two of us on the team, we took a little leap of faith and we sort of threw a dart out of the map and it hit Chicago. And it was a city that we had never been to before. And we had a lot of virtual tools at our disposal. We had Join Me back then, which was a, a video conferencing platform. We yeah. had LinkedIn, which our clients could use to vet us along the way. We had a lot of other sharp PowerPoint presentations and decks and ASIMAP, which we could seamlessly engage our clients in during a virtual meeting. So as a result, we started taking a chance at prospecting out of state and you know, to our wildest but most pleasurable uh, findings, we found that it worked very effectively and that had become the model for the next couple of years. And it wasn't because we were savvy enough to predict the pandemic, but really we just wanted to reach out to a bigger and broader audience. So once, once the pandemic uh, came into form, we found that it was really business as usual for the most part. Maybe instead of running virtual meetings from the office, we packed up our computers, we packed up our technology, we created our virtual work at home setups, and we were able to continue in the course as usual. But as a result of COVID, what we found is it didn't necessarily alter the way the world worked, but it certainly accelerated it into hyperdrive. And even still, you know, as we, we continue to deal with aspects of the pandemic, we found that more and more of our clients are receptible, are open, are very comfortable initially with the idea of virtual meetings because they're so used to it for what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And that, you know, that type of uh, interaction is now seen as a really effective um, streamlined way to go about doing business in general. Yeah, I, I do remember your road trip marketing. It was super creative, super innovative, and unbelievably effective. And, you're, and what an experiment pre-COVID and now road trip marketing uh, just virtually and without the road trip. And we've seen that people are totally comfortable 
developing relationships this way. Two, a double part question as a closeout. I know today is a celebration for you and your team, celebrating for the second time, being the number one organization in the company. Congratulations. Enjoy that. So here's the two-parter. Number one, what are you most proud of? Number two, what are you most excited about? Well, I'll start with the latter. I'm excited to continue to see unique abilities formed within the newest advisors that join the organization. Just when you think there's no more room to scale or no more areas of innovation that can be brought to the table, we have advisors coming in by the ranks, just bringing a fresh outlook. And they're the ones that excite me to really get out of bed every day and continue on this journey and explore the evolution of financial planning with them along the way. It's the team dynamic that makes Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays as fun as Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. It's the in-between banter and dialogue, the support, the high fives, the fact that now for the most part, we are all back in the office, that creates the culture. And the culture is what started this journey in the first place. Our motto was always, we're best friends and let's hire more great friends along the way. And to continue being able to hire friends year after year and meet so many amazing people with the best positive outlooks on life who often lift my spirits and coach me and mentor me is something that I think we'll truly look back on as being the best part. Accolades and accomplishments and production and trophies aside, it's thinking about the butterfly effect and all of those what seem to be haphazard, spontaneous moments in life that connected us all in the first place. And to be able to keep building that team year in and year out truly is, is I think, the most ex- exciting part of the journey. And to continue doing that with, with equal excitement and anticipation for the future. I think that ties in to pride as well. I think looking at my advisors that come out of the DSF, we call it graduation when they become ESF advisors, and thinking back to their first four years in the business and how they dabbled in different things and how they learned the business and how by the time they graduated from DSF, they really truly found their voice and we're in an unbelievable position to scale. It just makes me so proud to honor and recognize the leap of faith they took early on. And to stick with it inspires each next generation of DSF graduates to really lean into the possibility of what their own future and path can bring to the table. And I take so much pride in the entire team year after year, challenging them themselves to exceed their own expectations. Well, it's extraordinary the impact that you've had. You're so consistently talking about your team. Be proud of that. The number one organization in the company. Jay Train, awesome chatting with you today and much respect for the impact that you've had. Thanks a lot.